Let me say a quick prayer here. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this church. Holy Spirit, have your way. Have your way in our hearts. Let us not get hung up on silly ideas about what your will is. Let us just read the Bible and do it because it's easy if we're willing to obey. It's easy to understand. And it's easy because you give us supernatural power to get it done. So we love you. We welcome you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, this is uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday. Um, By their fruit, uh, obviously, Jesus says this in Matthew 7. He says this about teachers. You're going to know. You're going to be able to evaluate teachers. You're going to be able to evaluate people's profession uh, by their fruit. And you'll see why I chose this title here in a minute. Today today is uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday, and this is when we think about what happened in 1973, January 22nd, Roe versus Wade, Supreme Court decision. Why do I have a gravestone here? We used to set up um, crosses, my previous church, in the lawn, one cross for every million um, children. And uh, so at that time, we set up 50 uh, million, I mean, 50 crosses to represent 50 million. Uh, It has since then increased to over 60 million uh, children who have been uh, basically murdered by our culture. And uh, for some people, this is a shock. They're like, what are you talking about? This is a woman's right. This is a, uh, and this is the Sunday where pastors are supposed to challenge their people. Let's think. Who told you that? Who told you it was a woman's right? If you looked at the science, if you go to a crime scene and you find some DNA, uh, do you go then assign it to somebody else? No, you find the human being it belongs to. That baby had a different DNA. That baby was completely formed. That baby, there's people in our church that uh, their mothers were encouraged to abort them. Uh, some of my favorite people in the world, super fun, awesome people. Actually, the two, two, two of the craziest guys are coming to mind right now. They're like brothers, kind of in spirit, like kind of kindred spirit. And it's Chance and Brandon Jones, just kind of wild, crazy, adventurous guys full of life, whatever. Both of their mothers were encouraged to abort them. Um, kind of glad they didn't. But 60 million of your peers, mostly, most of you guys are in your 20s, of your peers, don't exist because somebody, maybe even a religious person, maybe even a Christian, told them it was okay. And so this is a, this is a day where we think about that. And I'm not going to go into statistics or give testimonies or anything. I want to talk, I I talk more in the realm of, again, worldview, mindset, thinking critically. <sighs> yeah. I'm just, my mind's always pulling up these files. I used to have a guy that every time I would teach about this in my church, he'd he'd leave and go on a drinking binge, kind of crash and burn for a few weeks because he had encouraged a girlfriend back in the day to have an abortion. And this just reminded him of a child that he should have, that he doesn't have, because no matter what the world tells you, once the deed is done, you will never get rid of that gorilla until... The Lord heals you, forgives you, and you own what you have done. This is just, this is encouraging mothers to murder their children, no matter what the culture says. And uh, this makes some people angry. But this is, 
I'm just going to, I'm just going to kind of take you on a tour of some things that have happened in history and kind of make us think about where we sit. And without further ado, I'm, I'm going to jump. If you're full of words, you don't need to prepare for a month. If, you, if you're full of the word and you're prayed up, God can say, go now. First time that happened was in Russia. Total side note, but I said, can I have 10 minutes? Okay. And the whole room full of people came to Christ. So anyway, it's, it's, that's another ridiculous thing in our culture that you need to prepare for a month before you can speak. Uh, so anyway, I was praying about it this morning and, and, and uh, Matthew 12. Uh, I'll give you a little heads up. This is coming in a minute. It says, when, when an unclean spirit, a demon, goes out of a man, it, says it goes through waterless places seeking rest, and it doesn't find it. And it says, I'm going to go back to my house from which I came. And it comes back to the person. Yes, we believe in demons because we believe the Bible. And Jesus believed in demons, and he wasn't crazy. I'm crazy. Jesus wasn't crazy. So if he believed in demons, I'm going to believe in demons. Well, anyway, he said, when a demon goes out of a person, it goes through waterless places seeking rest, doesn't find it. He says, gee, I wonder if that house that I was just kicked out of is still vacant. So he comes back. He finds it swept, put in order. No one there. The doors are still open. And so while he was cruising around the desert, languishing and wishing he had somewhere, someone to torment, he picked up some buddies who were way more raucous and crazy and destructive than he was, and they all move in. And then Jesus says, and that is how it is with this generation. He says, what happens with a person? He says, happens with a culture. And I guess I'm giving away where I'm going with this. Some people don't want to admit that the time we're living in is really all that bad. And you, know, you all know the story about the frog that's getting boiled in the kettle, Right? The frog never admits that it's really all that hot. You know the story, right? You turn it up by a degree, a degree. You don't. Okay, if you put a frog in a kettle of water and you turn it up slowly enough, the frog will never jump out until he's cooked. And then you can have frog legs. Seriously, that's a, this is true. So what I'm saying is in a culture that has lost its mind, it happened by degrees until everybody's cooked and they don't know it. <laughs> I, much of the church of Jesus Christ right now is cooked, my friends. And you may be cooked. And I may be cooked. And this happens again and again and again in history. We are insane. And we're cooked and we're drunk. And the, the, the passage that uh, uh, well, Joe quoted, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. The church doesn't even know the word right now. Uh, homosexuals to practice. Should they be our pastors? Should um, people who are men who feel like women or women who feel like men are... And, we're, and, and the Christians are saying, oh, that's a really interesting point. Maybe we should. And then we're getting ridiculous pseudoscience and a culture just screaming it at us day by day. We're like, well, everybody's saying it, so it must be true. Could we be? 
That frog in the kettle, could we be being cooked? Could abortion be murder to the tune of 60 million, which is a number that you can't even wrap your brain around? And here again, we see this fruit and this theme of, uh, you'll know them by the fruit. Make the tree good and it's fruit good. Make the tree bad or it's fruit bad. A tree is known by its fruit. And Jesus is talking to the religious people in his day who knew the Bible better than any of us ever will. He's talking to people who knew the Bible better than we ever will. He's talking to the Pharisees and the scribes and the little Jewish boys who went off to synagogue school at six years old. And a lot of them had the entire Torah memorized. He's talking to this culture saturated with the words of the Bible. And he's saying to the leaders, you're a bunch of snakes. He says, you're evil. And so how can you speak what is good? They know the words of the Bible, but somehow they've been cooked. We don't know the words of the Bible anymore. And so as religious people, there's a much better chance that we're cooked. But anyway, uh, from the mouth speaks that which fills the heart. The good man brings out of his good treasure what is good. The evil man out of his evil treasure what is evil. And so again, Jesus says in Matthew 7, you will know religious people by the fruit that they're producing. It'll be their words, but it'll also be their deeds. Um. Matthew 7, a bunch of you guys have memorized Sermon on the Mount or parts of the Sermon on the Mount. You really ought to memorize the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus' longest sermon. If you don't want to be cooked and you want to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, transformed from what? A demonic maniac to what? Christ-like person who's interpreting the world in a Christ-like way. Um, you need to fill your minds with things like the Sermon on the Mount. But he says this in the Sermon on the Mount, his longest sermon. Beware of false prophets. Are they here in Manhattan? No, they're they're in that bad, they're in that bad place. They're in Nazi Germany, but they're not here. Right? They're where else are the bad? Because everybody here is nice. Everybody here is good. Because they look nice and they look good. Yeah, well, that's what wolves in sheep's clothing look like. They look like sheep, they don't look like wolves. So they're everywhere. Can you sort them out? Do you know where the bad ones are in Manhattan? I, I do. I know where they are. I know their history. I know their church history. I know why they're bad. I know why their religion is different than Bible-believing, born-again, you know, Christianity, New Testament Christianity. Um, but the, he says they're going to be everywhere. Beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. Inwardly, they're ravenous wolves. You'll know them by their fruits. What? The, the words they say and the product of their life. So uh, I really like Francis Chan. You guys like Francis Chan? I like Francis Chan because uh, he's not a scholar. He's just a guy that reads the Bible and does it. I mean, he's smart enough. I mean, he went to seminary. He's got a degree. He knows how to handle the word. But, um, you know, he's not like Greek, Hebrew, historian, theologian, scholar. And that, but that's kind of the beauty of the guy. He's adequately trained. He had a huge church. But then this book, Crazy Love, starts out. Why don't you get fast forward? We all know something's wrong. At first, I thought it was just me. Then I stood before 20,000 Christian college students and asked, how many of you have read the New Testament and wondered if the church is missing it? When almost every hand went up, I, and the place went up, I felt comforted. At least I'm not crazy. 
So I like him because he just reads the Bible and it's like, are, is the church not having prayer meetings in the Bible? Why am I in one of the biggest churches in the country? And we, I mean, he didn't say this, but you go to some of the biggest quote unquote Bible believing churches in the country, they have no prayer meeting. Doesn't the Bible say widows and orphans? Ministry to widows and orphans is kind of the essence of what a Christian should be doing. Why do why are the Christians who don't even know a widow or an orphan? Why are the Christians who've been saved for 20 years? They've never shared their faith, never wanted to one to Christ. He he kind of just has a simple way of saying. If we read the Bible, is what we're doing in the churches have any correlation to what's in the Bible? Well, nobody knows because a lot of people aren't reading the Bible and they're just assuming that what they're doing is the way it's in the Bible. Well, read the Bible sometime. What you're going to find is what's going on, I think, in the American church right now is <sighs> anyway. So if we did just simply read the Bible, we said, what should a Christian be doing? What should a a Christian, you know, the, that word was put on them in the book of Acts. Little Christs, little little followers, of, they look like Jesus, they act like Jesus. What should be going on in Christianity if you just read the Bible? What should his people look like? They should be kind and compassionate. They should be going to the broken and the downcast and breaking down racial divides, right? Jesus was always going to the Gentiles and his disciples were like, oh, they're gross. You know, you go to the Samaritans, breaking down the racial divides, going to the outcasts. The sinners loved him. You know, if, if we really were doing what Jesus was doing, we'd have a lot of prostitutes in our churches, right? We have drunks coming to addicts coming to church. I'm just, is it, really, if we we're just doing it like Jesus was, wouldn't that be happening? And then like his early followers, we'd be praying a lot. He's compassionate. You say, what are the words that would characterize Jesus? Compassion and kindness. Like, what a Bible, are Bible-believing born-again Christians right now known for compassion and kindness in the broader culture? Are they? I was thinking about some different times in history. If Fruit bears out the validity of what we're doing. We should look like Jesus. We should have our churches should be loving communities that welcome the broken. We should also have miracles happening. Um, what else? I mean, you got we should have widows, orphans, we should have people wanting to give their lives to missions, all this kind of stuff. So uh there's some different times in history where the church didn't look like that at all. Uh, here's some German Christians in 1940. And in Germany, everybody was a Christian in 1940. At least claimed to be. It was uh, about 60 million people. 20 million said they were Catholic Christians. And 40 million said they were Protestant Christians. And uh, oh, mixed in this nice little group of Christian women and children are a couple nice Nazi Christian German soldiers. Of course, I'm being facetious here. Germany, if you know anything about philosophy and the Enlightenment and what was happening theologically in Germany, Germany was cooked absolutely across the board from top to bottom at this time. 
virtually everybody's brain was fried. They thought they were Christians. They called themselves Christians. I don't have any time to even go into what was happening in Germany at that time. Actually, I probably will because I can't avoid it right now. But we're going to talk a lot more about it in that Varieties of Christianity class. They were not Christians, the Protestants, in any historical sense of the word. And you have to understand what happened in the Enlightenment. And Germany was the epicenter of this new kind of Christianity that we call liberalism or progressivism or whatever. And they had basically denied all of the tenets of the historic Christian faith, like God, the Father Almighty, Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin, you know, suffered on Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead, buried, etc. On the third day, rose from dead. Of course, I'm quoting the Apostles' Creed. But this new kind of Christianity literally had abandoned all of those I mean, foundational truths of the historic Christian faith, the Protestants, and they had recreated Christianity. They just called themselves Christians. That was the epicenter in the world for this new vision of what Christianity should be. Um, and it made it very easy for Nazism to come in and just take over all the churches. One of my Christmas presents that my wife got me was a book called uh, Theologians Under Hitler. And it talked about how the greatest theologians, the greatest God talkers in Germany, just folded like origami when Hitler came in. I mean, they just had no backbone, no strength. They had, it was just super easy for them to yield to Nazism because the entire culture was cooked. And uh, he said, well, that's because they were bad and they weren't smart like me. See, I'm good and I'm smart. And I would never, ever give into that kind of crazy. No, it's because they were almost exactly like the churches right now in America. They didn't think, they didn't know they were bad. They didn't know they were cooked. They didn't know they were following ridiculous false doctrines. The problem was they didn't think. And they just went with the herd. And if their pastor said this, they did it. And if their parents said this, they did it. And if their culture said this, they did it. And that's what most Christians are doing right now. We're not thinking. So instead of loving children like Jesus and loving the outcast and the foreigner, what are they doing? They're putting foreigners and children and such, where's my cursor, in concentration camps and annihilating them and stuffing them into ovens and cooking. These are Christian people, people who think they're Christians. And some people say, well, I didn't participate in it. Yeah, but you pretended like it wasn't happening. So ultimately what had happened in Germany is with this new kind of Christianity. Uh, we believe, and historically Christians have believed in the Bible that it's a revelation of God. And we should assume when we look at it, it's true. And if we run into difficulties, we should assume, I'm just not smart enough to sort this out yet, but it's true. But with this new kind of Christianity, and, and it is still permeating Christianity all over the world, including America, that you approach the Bible with the basic assumption that it's not true or it has to prove itself to be true. Instead of, instead of starting from the standpoint of faith, you, you start from the standpoint of doubt. And this stuff started, in, I mean, it really blew up and gained strength in Germany. And this is really what undermined German Christianity, so it had no strength to, to, to stand up against Nazism. 
It's still around though. If you guys go train at seminary, this is one of the reasons I don't like to send young fired up people like Joe, uh, smart young people to seminary because this German filth has, is still uh, saturated all of our seminaries. You're still going to learn. He talked about textual criticism. Uh, that's called lower criticism, higher criticism, and all this, all this nonsense that came out of Germany that just doubts, 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 doubts the Bible. Um, and basically starts from the premise that almost none of its history is actual and true, and it's a pile of literary scraps that was fudged together by editors way after the time it happened. All this started in Germany. And if you go to seminary, you're going to have to learn all about this. My daughter-in-law was going to go to Princeton before she understood this. And I said, please don't go to Princeton. I'm in history where Christians have been cooked. So uh, what do you think they'd be doing when they, they were going home from these nice churches and all their ceremonies, mm -hmm. etc.? Well, this is how they were treating a certain type of children all over America. If you happen to have black skin and come from Africa, we'd go to church on Sunday, sing Amazing Grace. Yes, because that was written in 1700, so we'd be singing in the 1800s. And uh, then raping, beating, murdering our African help, because somehow in our Christian minds, this was all justifiable. Um, and so again, you're like, how could Christians ever have gotten so far off track that they would... And then someone said, well, I would have never, but so many Christians sat by. Because if you tried to stand up against it, the culture would shout you down. They might, they might break the windows out of your business, you know, firebomb you. They might run you out of town. Go, go read about abolitionists in the hard time, not just in the South, in the North, because the economy of the United States was, was based on slavery. And so they figured out a way to be Christians and yet still have these atrocities going on. So you'll know them by their fruits. And what, what's going on in culture and what are Christians putting up with? What are Christians participating in? You, you had, you had uh, preachers who claim they believe the Bible preaching um, the inferiority of the black slave and how they like being slaved and they're created to be slaves and whatever. Uh, so how does the culture get so far gone where we'll put up with this kind of stuff? And so then here, this is a famous picture. This is just what you do and you, how, how you get them all over from Africa. You go and you capture them, steal children from their mothers and husbands from their wives and wives from their husbands and whatever. And on the way over, of course, you rape them, beat them. If they get sick, throw them overboard. Sharks would trail after these ships. Study some history. This is not pleasant. Ooh, you know, I don't like this unpleasant stuff. Wake up, my friends. We're in a battle. We're in a war. It's kill or be killed. Bodies are flying. Some of us are getting cooked. Some of us are jumping out of the cattle saying, heck with that. I'm not going to be cooked. I'm not going to think like everybody else thinks, even if the church is doing it. But anyway, this is just a real famous picture of how they got them over here. Huge percentage of them would die. But again, if you pack enough in on like cordwood, uh, you know, enough of them would make it over so you can make a profit. These are human beings made in God's image. Christians participating in this. The guy who wrote Amazing Grace for Pete's sakes used to captain a ship like this. That's why I said God saved a wretch like me because his eyes were open. Boom. Oh, my goodness. This is not Christian. I'm not a Christian. Say, I once was blind, but now I see. You know that. So anyway, but this was America not too long ago. Worship and everybody jumping around. Who, who knows they're deceived? Nobody knows they're deceived. 
So, yeah, those Nazis are so terrible, those people during the time of slavery, so terrible. I can't understand how they could ever possibly reconcile belief in the Bible, worship of Jesus. I'm just a better sort of a person. And yet, a hundred years from now, someone's going to be preaching a sermon, and they're going to be showing pictures of babies with their own DNA, completely viable human beings, in, in a culture that destroyed them by the millions. A million a year is kind of the going rate right now. And it doesn't really bother us. Just like slavery didn't bother, you know, Reverend Johansson and his flock or whatever back in the day. But this is a day where we got to think what's going on. This isn't, you can't isolate this problem and say people who, uh, you know, have abortions are committing a terrible atrocity. It's a whole complex, a whole, just a, a system that our culture has created. When you watch pornography, you're participating in this system. When you go further with your boyfriend, girlfriend, date, then you know Christians ought to from the clear teaching of scripture, you're participating in this system. When you throw biblical morals to the wind, you're so, so basically it's our whole culture is warring against the structure that God set up. <clears throat> It's saying traditional morality is passe. Uh, we don't kick fornicators and we, we, out of our church anymore. We don't, we don't treat adultery like this horrific thing like Christians used to. We don't, we've, we've changed. And we watch these movies on TV where two people can be in a marriage and then have a torrid affair and then ride off into the sunset and have a happy life. Because that's our culture is telling us that happens. Well, what happens when you have immoral sex? Well, you have unwanted babies. And then what happens when you have unwanted babies? You abort them. It's this whole thing. If we, if we respect the sexuality the way the Bible tells us to, how many unwanted babies would we have? None. But our, our society is saying, no, 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 God's way, forget it. Do, do things completely different. And the church is bought in. And so we have, we have churches now that are like, yay, a woman's right to abort her child. Why? Because we're cooked. We've lost our minds. Very much like people that were willing to rape and beat and enslave and are at the very, maybe the best of them just look the other direction during a time of slavery or what someone in Nazi Germany was willing to, you know, watch their Jewish neighbors be carted off because they bought into the junk science. They bought into the cultural noise. And uh, most people won't preach hard against this anymore because the church has been beaten into submission. Christians don't know how to think anymore. <clears throat> We're not critical thinkers. We don't want to stand up. We don't want to turn against the tide. We don't want to march in the other direction. Everybody says, oh, if I'd have been in Nazi Germany, I would have been the voice. Don't kid yourself. If you're not the voice right now for sex trafficking, if you're not the voice right now, Preaching the gospel? Don't kid yourself. You wouldn't have been the voice then, and you wouldn't have been the voice during slavery, and you wouldn't have been the voice during Jim Crow, and you wouldn't. Christian, Christians right now in our culture are being cooked. 
It's not people on the left who call themselves Christians that are taking over city centers and Christians on the right are just as bad. They want to storm the Capitol and take up arms now and armed insurrection. We've all lost our minds. And the problem is I'm, I'm telling you guys, cause we don't know how to think anymore. In the first place, like Joe was saying, we need to know the Bible. Marriage. You'd be boom, 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 walking from Genesis to Revelation. What are your views on human sexuality? Boom, it is written, it is written, it is written. What should I do with my bitterness? I was abused as a child. What should I do with that? You should be able to lead them out of their darkness. I got voices in my head. What should I do? I'm suicidal. What should I do? We should be like the son of God, full of the scripture. That's, that's the first we first of all need to have a commitment to the word. Church about transgenderism and homosexuality. We've left heterosexual immorality and divorce in the dust. Those aren't even issues anymore. Yeah, whatever. So Martha and Bob and the choir sleeping together, you know, hopefully they'll get married. We kids. This really stuff, this stuff goes on in churches. And now we're, we're in insane conversations. Why? Because the world has cooked us. And the result of our immorality and our insanity is we continue to sacrifice these unwanted babies. What on the altar of our selfishness. So I guess my challenge to you is, are you thinking? Are you just assuming what your pastor is going to lead you home or your favorite radio personality is going to lead you home? One time I asked a guy, what do you believe about such and such? And he pulled out this big book from his church. And he said, I'll tell you in a minute. What I believe about this, and he read it. You need to own this stuff. It has to be yours. I don't, I don't like Francis Chan because he thinks for me. Actually, the smartest guy who's kind of the same spirit as Michael Brown. So he's a pretty safe, super smart dude. So feel free to engage that guy, but, but you know, very high level. I don't like him because he thinks for me. I like him because I've owned some thoughts and I found this guy believes very similar things and he's getting good outcomes. Do you know how to think? Are you getting cooked? Are you deceived? Could you be a Nazi? Could you be a slave owner? Could you turn mm -hmm. the other cheek? Do you buy the junk science? I had junk science, just like we have junk science right now with all this gender nonsense. It's, it's ridiculous. It's really postmodern philosophy that they're trying to muscle into science. They had all this junk science during the time of slavery, during the time of Nazism. And the Christians were like, well, look, the scientists at Harvard, I mean, what can you do? God's given you a brain. You need to learn how to think. And this is just the most extreme issue right now, I think, going on in our culture. The, the worst, there's other, there's horrible issues. And a lot of them are related, pornography and sex trafficking and all that. A lot of them are related because they all culminate this is kind of the ultimate sacrifice of that whole twisted, perverted system that so many of us have bought into. But it's happened in the past. It happens pretty consistently with Christians. What about the Crusades? I would have never taken up a sword. Yes, you would have. If everybody else was, unless you were a thinker who knew the words of Christ yourself. What else do I got here? Oh, I'd forgotten that this chapter ended with this. Beautiful. And it also sounds a lot like the Sermon on the Mount as well. 
while he was saying these super tough things to them, his mother and brothers were standing outside seeking to speak to him. Someone said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. Jesus said to the one who was telling him, he said, who's my mother? Who are my brothers? Stretching out his hand to his disciples. What is the disciple? A learner, someone who listens, listens and does. He said, these are my mother and my brothers. What? Jesus disrespected Mary and implied that if Mary didn't listen and follow, he wouldn't even consider her a family member. That's what he did right there. That you can't say that. You can't, my tradition won't allow that because Mary is basically the fourth member of the Trinity. I mean, we worship her, we pray to her. I mean, she's a mother of God. Was that what Jesus said? Where did Jesus say that? What did he say about the issue? He said, look, you want to be in a relationship with me? Listen to what I say and do it. Whoever does the will of my father is in heaven. He's my brother, my sister, and my mother. So, I mean, he did have a great mother, and that's why she birthed him, because she was the one person on planet Earth that God knew could get the job done and knew how to walk with him and et cetera. So it wasn't, he didn't end up rejecting his mother. He's trying to make a point. You have to, you have to enter this game yourself. That's why we do seminars. Because I, th I think our culture is spinning out of control on the left and the right. The big churches are imploding. Pay attention. I mean, the biggest pastors, what are we doing? Have you analyzed them? Have you scrutinized them? What's going on? And I love you guys, you know, in your 20s, because I'm like, this is the time where you can make your decisions, plant your flag, make your own choices, launch your own trajectory, throw off the junk, test everything. I'm like, please, you guys in your 20s, do, do what my generation wasn't willing to do. Think, learn the words of Jesus, obey. Don't give in. hundred years from now, have them read about you guys as a generation that brought the glory of God back to planet Earth, like in the Great Awakenings or the Great Revivals. But those are thinkers. Those are people that wrestled with God and truth for themselves. Yeah, I've gone, I've gone a long time. I didn't expect to do this. You know, you know how long this uh, sermon took to prepare for? One minute. <laughs> One minute. I was praying this morning and I just went. And then it took me an hour or so to come find these pictures on the internet. <laughs> so not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He does the will of my father who's in heaven. Jesus is compassion and kindness. Is it kind and compassionate? To snuff out another person here who's with us today. I'm super excited. They just moved to Kansas City. Uh, Chance. Um, why is he named Chance? Because the doctor said, this baby's not viable. And uh, we're in the habit of just, you know, when the baby's not absolutely 100% perfect, no questions, uh, we just throw him in a trash can. His mom said, no, I think we'll take the chance. Uh, is it kind to not give someone like chance, a chance to fulfill his God-given purpose on planet Earth or someone like Jones or whatever? No, it's wicked and selfish. 
It's, it's totally, totally the opposite of the spirit of Jesus. And they say, well, what about the mother? Well, if as a society we'd been, been doing things God's way, we wouldn't be asking that question because all the mothers would be honored and their sexuality would be preserved and they'd wait for covenant and the men would be protecting the women instead of running them over like a truck and trying to get them drunk so they can sleep with them at the boat, right? If we were in a different kind of a culture that wasn't so self-oriented, we wouldn't have all these unwanted babies out there. This wouldn't even be an option. And we treasure our babies and we'd honor our covenants and we'd protect our women. No, we're all backwards and upside down and it's in the church. So Jesus says, many will say, and these people go to church. It's like they did in Nazi Germany, just like they did in the American South and in the North too. I mean, we had, there's plenty of problems with that whole system. He said, Lord, we prophesied. Either even, even some apparent miracles going on. In your name, cast out demons. In your name, perform any miracles. I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice. You didn't do this stuff. You didn't know what I said. And, and then you didn't make it your life's goal to do it, be transformed. So, yeah, my friends, we're getting cooked. So uh, that's why we do this. That's why we work hard. That's why we come here on Saturday. We do two hours of study and we do a lot of Bible study. We did the book of Romans and we did, you know, we did this survey of the Old Testament. And that's why we're going to do a seminar on how to think. Uh, so we, we uh, can construct a worldview that turns around and swims against the culture. In a lot of respects, probably swims against what the church is doing right now. But honors Jesus. And then when you stand before Jesus... Joe talked about taking out your wallet. Totally symbolic. He's going to take out his wallet. It's going to be a picture of his soul, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, great in kindness and faithfulness. And he's going to look at you and he goes, yeah, you look just like me. Get in here. You read my word. You did the stuff. You look like me. And of course, you have to be born again. We can't do any of that before his spirit invades our lives. But we learn that by studying the word. And then a whole bunch of people, he's going to say, you were fried, my friends. You were deceived. You were just going with the culture. You're just doing what your pastor said, what your denomination said, what your tradition said. So have the courage to step up. So, oh, here we go. Bad religion, 31 flavors. <laughs> bad religion, 31 flavors of bad religion. So Jesus said uh, in Matthew 24, he, Jesus said that many false Christs and false prophets will arise and deceive some people in a land far, far away. No, many right here, right now, in every town, the spirit of Antichrist is going to permeate the earth and come up with all these false religions. So if there are 31 varieties of Christianity, 30 of them are false. Do you, do you got the good one? Do we have the good one? How would you know? Well, I think you'd start by... Knowing the words of Christ and then learning to think well. So, uh, first of all, you know, I just want you to, these are some takeaways. If there are 31 varieties of Christianity, 30 of them are bad. Is Catholicism good or bad? It's not what we're doing. Is Mormonism good or bad? It's not what we're doing. Is liberalism good or bad? It's not what we're doing. Is Jehovah's Witnesses good or bad? It's not what we're doing. We all call ourselves Christians. We all have some explanation of what Jesus was up to. But we, we're wildly different in who we say he is and what we say he wanted from us. Which ones are bad? Which ones are good? You got good Lutherans and bad Lutherans and good Presbyterians and bad Presbyterians. And do you know how to sort them? Do you know why they're good, why they're bad? Anyway, so we're all vulnerable to, decep to deception like the Germans were. Why else would Christians be debating 
whether abortion is okay or not. Do you know Hitler won Man of the Year, Time Magazine, 1938? We didn't think it was so bad. It took a little time for it all to spin out. So those of us who are deceived might take a little bit of time. But ultimately, it will be known. So how are you going to begin to sort it all out? I got to get cracking here. How, how, How do you not get caught in this? Do you think somehow your generation is immune? No, people are going to be pointing at you 100 years from now. Are you going to be on the right side or the wrong side? Well, you got to be a thinker. So use your brain. First of all, know the word. You've got nothing more important to do than know the word. Cherry picking a Bible verse every six months is insane. Transform through your mind. So first of all, get to know the word. Learn how to think. That's what we're going to be doing in that seminar. Learn how to scrutinize the 31 flavors of Christianity. Why they're bad, why they're good. Learn what a good argument is, what a bad argument is. Learn how to defend the Bible, why you should defend the Bible. Learn some history. Learn about these different periods, what the church was doing, how it got off track. And the only way to steer clear of the bad and stand before God, holy and blameless, is to know it and to do it. So anyway, you don't have anything more important to do than to learn how to think, learn God's word, and win your battle. So with that, I could say a lot more, but uh, I'm going to say a word of prayer. And uh, yeah, and then stick around and let's have lunch. And if anybody wants to talk, I would love to. So Father, we come before in Jesus' name. You're the way, the truth, and life, Jesus. You are God incarnate. Your words are perfect and true, and you deliver. When we believe them, you do miracles. And the gospel has power, and there's transformed lives in this room, jaw-dropping miracles, people sitting right here that are doing things and experiencing things that I've never seen before. And I'm in awe and I worship you and I love you that when we do it right, it works. But uh, the devil is at war. And I just pray you to raise up people from this church body that will be champions for truth and righteousness and your kingdom and bring change in this world. And we pray for a move of your Holy Spirit. Uh, Father, we love you. Thank you for this time together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.